Hi, I'm Dr. Radhika Gosavi, your host for this podcast. Welcome to the fourth episode of Talk Brainy to Me. Our guest today is Mr. Abhinav Bindra, India's first individual Olympic gold medalist. In this episode, we have the pleasure of discussing ways in which we can integrate concepts from exercise science, education, psychology, and neuroscience to build a healthy lifestyle. Stay tuned to also hear Mr. Bindra's perspectives on cultivating a holistic and cross-functional approach towards sports education and athletics. First, I would like to invite Professor Chandan Dasgupta to provide a little bit more information about our guest. So welcome to the fourth episode of Talk Brainy to Me, a video interview podcast hosted by the Interdisciplinary Program in Educational Technology here at IIT Bombay. Uh, we feature prominent guests who are artists, philanthropists, athletes, and entrepreneurs, amongst others in, the, in this podcast, uh, who have a passion for science, education, and technology. Our host for this podcast is Dr. Radhika Gosavi, who is an educational neuroscientist and a visiting faculty member in our department. You can watch all of our previous episodes on YouTube by searching for the playlist titled Talk Preeny to Me. It's on the Educational Technology IIT Bombay YouTube channel. In this episode, we are very excited to uh, learn and talk about integrating information from health, education, and neuroscience through an athlete's lens. Uh, for this, we are very excited to welcome our guest for today, Mr. Abhinav Bindra, the famous Olympian who is the first and one of the only two Indians to win an Olympic gold uh, medal. With more than 150 medals in his 22-year career, he is the recipient of the Padma Bhushan from the government of India, and he is one of the top influencers of sport policy in the country. Mr. Bindra, thank you for joining us today. Again, as Chandan mentioned, it's really an honor to get your perspective on these important topics. Um, you know, just I have been an athlete and and. In, involved in sports throughout my life and it's especially interesting to talk to you because I feel like athletics and you know participating in various sports is is very much a recreational activity for most most people but you really know uh, from a firsthand perspective all the various components that go into really go into the top um, and generally, from a scientific perspective, it's also interesting because we have data that shows that participating in various kinds of sports has a positive impact on our brain functioning, on our cognition, and educational um, aims, making this really broad, widespread benefit of participating in any kind of athletics. So today, really, we're going to be thinking about ways in which we can combine, you know, a scientist perspective and what we know from the science with your perspective as an athlete. And to just highlight one small commonality, which I thought of earlier um, today, as a neuroscientist, you know, I function on the level of milliseconds. Um, if if there's one millisecond of a difference in our brain activity or in tracking the data, it makes a huge difference to our findings. And you operate on the level of millimeters where uh, if there's just a slight difference, and please correct me if I'm wrong, it makes a world of a difference. So even from this scale to thinking about, you know, larger educational outcomes, I feel like there's a lot in common. Um, and today our conversation could not be more timely given uh, 
the Olympics and the Paralympics that are occurring. And of course, you know, recently Avni Lakara's gold um, that just came in in the 10 meter shooting event in the last day or so. So great timing all around and we're very excited to have you today. Um, and so with that, I wanna go ahead and dive into our first question. You know, when we're thinking about integrating health and science and education, this word health is used in a whole variety of ways. You know, we, t we talk about like, I want to be healthy. I don't want to be unhealthy, et cetera. But really health is a complicated concept, right? There's various factors that go into it, physiological factors, you know, what you eat in terms of nutrition and also psychological factors such as mindset. And so to become an athlete, as Ed mentioned today, it's a multifaceted effort. And so the first question that I had for you is, what do you think is kind of the importance of this holistic approach to health to combine, you know, physical training with mental training and also eating the right things? Yes, uh, I think you're absolutely right. I think um, health is a holistic uh, thing that we have to look at. I mean, I'll take, take you back to sport and, and you know my, how sport influenced me in, in, in such a great degree where I broke down my, my sporting performances into various pillars and I think we similarly have to do that when we look at health when I was performing as an athlete uh, I looked at of course my physical health um, which meant that I had to be healthy physically but I also had to look at my mental health and my mental performance performance and these are two very different kinds of, of things you know when we look at the mental side of it or what we generally error in is that we always look at the mental performance side of it but mm. the foundation of performance or the foundation is, of health uh, really is built on the concept of well-being um, you know we're always looking at ways we can improve physically we're always looking at the way we can improve mentally uh, and sometimes forget uh, that we're human beings. Um, and, and I think the, the biggest priority is to, to really look at, look at ourselves and look at our foundation and look at our generic well-being, where, of course, the physical element comes into play, the emotional element comes into play, the mental element comes into, into play. Your recovery element is absolutely uh, huge uh, when you look at uh, health. Uh, and of course, uh, you already mentioned the nutritional element also comes into play. And when I was an athlete and when I was uh, competing, and I, I even try to do it now, and maybe not to that extent, but uh, I broke all these areas down into different pillars and worked on, on each of these. Uh, of course, I worked on my physical performance, but I also worked on my physical well-being. Uh, giving you a small anecdote, what I did was um, there are only two lab laboratories in the whole world which uh, test um, your, your uh, trace elements in your body at the cellular level. There is one in, in, in Berlin, which I went to and I got myself tested. And they found that my, my cells were not absorbing magnesium too well, for example. Uh, and uh, magnesium is something, of course, critical to well-being. It was also yeah. very critical to, to, to my sporting performance because if you have a, a lack of magnesium, your muscles will start to tremor, they will start to twitch. And that is something which uh, 
was a no-no for my own sport. Uh, uh, from a cardiological uh, point of view, I, I, I did a lot of work as an athlete uh, to improve my cardiovascular fitness. And you would ask me, I'm a shooter and I'm supposed to stand still. Why would I need to run around? But the fact of the matter is, uh, you know, you talked about uh, milliseconds and millimeters. But what as a shooting athlete, I really try to do is try and shoot in between heartbeats. Uh, mm. And while quite all right to do it in practice when nobody was watching, but when it came to an Olympic final, when uh, where I was standing still uh, and suddenly my body was filled with adrenaline with no outlet my heart rate suddenly spiked to 180 beats per minute uh, and there I had to be a well-trained athlete so that it did not spike up uh, beyond a certain threshold so of course there was a performance angle to it but there was also a good well-being angle to it to, to, to really uh, train myself um, cardiovascularly of course there was an element of nutrition and, and hydration, for example. Uh, and um, when I was an athlete, uh, I remember there was a point, of, a point of time where I was very obsessed with the whole aspect of hydration. Uh, and I remember peeing into a cup uh, 20 times a day to just test my hydration levels in my body to, to get the optimum levels which were needed. So, of course, you don't need to do it go to those crazy elements and if you're not an athlete or pursuing some crazy goals but again hydration is such a critical element to it then finally yeah. uh, I mean there was a mental element to it I, I did a lot of work with neurofeedback and I, I mapped my brain and uh, Tessie was, uh, did research on what sort of brain activity I had when I was shooting really good and we realized uh, uh, that the T3 area of my brain, which is uh, really responsible for, for self-talk and things like that, had to be rather silent. I mean, the last thing I wanted when going to shoot the last shot at the Olympic final was a voice in my head saying, don't miss. Uh, so I had to find an ability to, to quieten it. Um, but there was a meditative angle to it, which also influenced me uh, for my generic well-being uh, you know when we are in meditation we are in a state of quiet uh, we are staying in a peaceful state of mind there was that element to it which uh, was critically important but there was also an element of of mental health i think uh, which, yeah. is, which is i think a very ignored subject and i think uh, we don't do it well enough we certainly don't do it well enough in sport and I think um, just to conclude this answer to this question, and I'm going to a different track, I think the only silver lining of the pandemic has been a little bit of destigmatization of mental health. And, and I hope as we go ahead, I think uh, much more work needs to go into this element because there lies the heart of human health. There lies the heart of human performance as well. I mean, if you're not mentally healthy, I don't think you'll be able to perform to your full potential. You may achieve your goals, but you won't attain, you won't achieve uh, your true potential. Yeah, I think you've done an excellent job of highlighting all the different components that go into cultivating a healthy lifestyle, of course, for an athlete and a sportsman, but I think generally for everyone, you know? Um, and so with that in mind, and this is an outstanding question in science and a big one at that, but from what you're saying, you know, it really sounds like a healthy lifestyle and a healthy way of living 
through understanding various scientific metrics and understanding your own kind of physiological, mental, um, and emotional health and figuring out a way to cultivate that well-being can be learned. We can all achieve this um, and, and we should certainly begin to work on it. And, you know, when we kind of turn towards thinking about learning and education in athletics in various ways, studies have shown, as I mentioned, that participating in these various activities have an impact on our neural function and our cognition and, and educational outcomes broadly. There have been positive correlations found in math and reading abilities. Um, participating in various sports has also led to higher scores on various IQ tests and, and measures of social well-being. Um, and there have been various widespread benefits in executive functioning skills, memory processing skills, spatial learning skills, cognitive control, decision-making, right? So there's all these various uh, benefits. And so, but these are not without the assumption that these skills are based on you know, a share understanding with people, communication, and really this idea that uh, participating in sports can promote cooperation and sharing and learning. So with that in mind, you know, how do you think participating in sports or athletics as a child can promote the overall development of an individual kind of sticking yeah. with the theme yeah, of holistic? I think, yes, I think you already listed uh, or all the neurological benefits or, or which very well. I'd like to answer it in a little bit of different way. But before that, yeah. I, I just got to learn yesterday uh, that, you know, we are living in a generation where lots of our kids love esports and are big into gaming. And recent research has even shown uh, that kids who, who, who are gamers at a, at a very young age become very good surgeons. Uh, because they learn to use ha their hands very uh, and build those motor skills in their in their hands uh, to a great degree. So, of course, there are many uh, different and interesting uh, things. But what I'd like to really say is, um, firstly, you know, we're all as nations uh, are trying to achieve um, a great degree uh, of economic development. Um, but if you look at the greatest economies of the world. Uh, you would also find them to be great sporting superpowers. And uh, there, is, there is no accident in why they've become good, uh, good economies. You know, sport has been part and parcel of these countries' cultures from, uh, from uh, right from childhood of, of, of a young boy or a young girl. And sport has a unique, unique way of teaching many different values to kids. You don't need to compete at the Olympic level or become an elite athlete, but just the sheer uh, participation in sport, just enjoying the sport, playing sport for the sheer joy of it, and imbibing the values that sport brings of excellence, of respect, of friendship. These are invaluable, which will hold you in good stead uh, as you grow up uh, and face the rigors of life. Sport is very unique. Of course, it teaches you a way and a path on how to win. More importantly, sport teaches you how to lose. Uh, sport teaches you uh, the need to have honesty. Sport teaches you how to have integrity. As children, as young boys and girls, 
when is the first time we're ever exposed to rules? It is when we play. It is when we play a sport, when we play a game, or we even develop or uh, make a game between siblings or, or whatever. It always has an element of rules in there. It's the first time we learn to imbibe the, the need to follow rules. Um, you know, sport uh, teaches you how to have goals. Sport teaches you how to uh, follow goals. Sport teaches you how to become good listeners. Uh, and in today's society, that is a struggle because mental capacities and attention spans are shrunk to a great degree. But sport really teaches you to listen. It teaches you to listen to different points of views, even if you don't like them in, 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 in a spirit of friendship and respect. Uh, and that is hugely important to society. It's hugely important to a society like India. Yeah. Such a young society, 50% uh, of our population below the age of 23 in, in dire need to imbibe right values. Uh, so sport has a hugely, hugely, hugely meaningful role to play in nation building uh, and character building. Sport builds character, but it also reveals character. But it is the greatest thing that we can do to our nation is uh, to, to give opportunity to our boys and girls to play sport for the sheer joy of playing sport in order for them to imbibe values which I just talked about. That will also result in uh, our uh, performances at the elite level, uh, which we are a little bit obsessive about, about winning medals and this and that. That will be a byproduct of this activity. Um, you know, we talk about being a nation of 1.3 billion people and winning a handful of medals, seven this time, a historic hall, which we are rejoicing about. We also have to question ourselves and ask ourselves the question, how many out of this 1.3 billion actually play elite sport and dedicate yeah. uh, a large amount of years of their lives to elite sport? It would be a very, very, very small number. Right. But when, you, when you get more people to play sport, this number of elite participation will automatically increase. Uh, and and that will also result in, 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 in a better performances at, at, the, at that elite level. So yeah, I think, I the, but the greatest yeah. role is, of course, you know, also this, you know, you spoke about health and I think uh, sport has so many health benefits as well. So Yeah, certainly. And, you know, these kind of uh, transferable skills, so to speak, these kind of intangible skills that aren't as obvious, I think are really key. Speaking from personal experience, you know, as I mentioned, I've been an athlete since a young age, and I remember participating in sports along with everything that you mentioned, communication, rules, communication with other peers, all key components to also success in education. I also learned time management, you know, how do I wake up, go to practice, go to school, go to another practice, come back home, study, right? These are all kind of um, various components that I think individuals develop. And these are skills that grow through participating in sports from a young age. You know, with that, I want to turn to another really important facet of uh, participating in sports and something that you touched upon, which is mindset, right? In the psychology and education literature, we know that we can have a diversity of mindsets um, when we approach anything in the classroom, in the playing field, et cetera. There's two primary types 
Um, one is called a fixed mindset, meaning thinking like, you know, something like intelligence is a fixed trait that can't be changed. You're born with how intelligent you are. Or the second is a growth mindset, which is really the thinking that uh, things can change. Or for example, intelligence is a malleable quality that can be developed. So what the literature shows is that having a growth mindset allows individuals to embrace learning. Um, it also highlights the role of effort in cultivating talent. Um, and it allows us and teaches us to maintain confidence and effectiveness in challenges and setbacks. Having said this, there are a variety of open questions that remain in the literature. You know, what is the benefit of having different mindsets at different times? Can mindsets be changed? And so getting your perspective on this as an athlete where mindset is so critical is really interesting and is going to help us further um, science as well. So as a broad question, I want to ask you, you know, what are some professional experiences or instances that you have had can speak that can speak towards the impact of a particular mindset, you know, specifically a fixed mindset or a growth mindset? And then as a second part to that, do you think um, there are specific measures or ways in which you have cultivated a particular mindset in your career? Well, I'd like to talk about two aspects here. I think it's critically important in my point of view to have a growth mindset. You have to have openness in your beliefs and openness in your mindset. You have to have flexibility. Uh, when uh, you become very closed, uh, I think uh, in moments of pressure and in moments of difficult times or uh, critical moments, uh, you the greatest trait that is needed is adaptability. Um, and you cannot have that adaptability come to the fore uh, when you have a closed mindset. Uh, you have to have an openness to it. You have to have a flexibility to it. And that is um, that comes, I think, uh, through, according to me, through two uh, process of two things. A, uh, you know, you have to try and cultivate and, and, and make sure you sustain ch you know, the childlike enthusiasm that you had uh, when you were a kid and starting out something. I think it's so very important for that to continue if you want to sustain success. That is very important. And I think the second very important point to have in this openness and to cultivate this openness is uh, to view conflicting viewpoints and conflicting perspectives with an open mind and using it as a source for personal growth. I'll give you an, a small example I had a relationship with one of my coaches, which was filled with conflict. We didn't really get along. I, in fact, hated the guy. I still hate him. Uh, but uh, we found a way to work together because I continued to see great value in what he was saying. He, he kept telling me things I did not want to hear, which was hard to take in uh, early on. Uh, but when things cooled down and, and when I, I gave uh, it a little bit of thought, suddenly the points that he was trying to make suddenly started to make sense. Um, and because I had an open mindset, I allowed even these conflicts to work for me. Perhaps maybe 98 out of 100 things he told me I did not follow, but the two things he did tell me, which I ended up following, became the most invaluable things that helped me gain success. And this was only possible because I had this openness and flexibility and in mind. 
I talked a little bit of adaptability and performance. High performance is all about adapting to situations, adopt, uh, adapting to uh, situations you have not anticipated. Um, at an Olympics, many things can go wrong. And in, I went to fire and in each one of them, I tried to train for every vertical, but there was something which always came to the fore, which was not anticipated. And sometimes I was able to get the better of them, sometimes not. But when I was able to get better hang of that situation was when I had adaptability and I was quickly able to accept the situation and adapt to the situation rather than resisting that situation. And that is yeah. only possible if you have... Uh, a growth mindset. You spoke yeah. a little bit about confidence. And I think here I'd like to, um, I have a conflicting uh, point of view because I always, as a human being, and as an athlete specifically, struggled to with a great degree uh, with belief and struggled with a great degree with confidence. Um, mm. I was in a lonely sport. Uh, my sport was a lonely pursuit, but I had always had a constant companion my constant companion in my 22 years in sport was self-doubt. Um, and for a long period of time, I worked with psychologists, um, trainers, mental trainers, this, that, and the other, to try and build on this belief and to, to gain confidence in what I was doing. But I just didn't get it. And, and after a while, I stopped pursuing this self-belief uh, theory. And what I really started to go after was self-respect instead. Uh, and I achieved self-respect by working hard, by pushing myself every day, by trying to be better than what I was yesterday and looking myself into the mirror and asking myself the difficult question before I went to bed uh, that had I given it my best on that particular day and I put my best foot forward. Um, and that made me realize uh, that whenever the answer was yes, I always had a good night's sleep and, you know, hard work really is the best sedative uh, around uh, that you can ever find. Um, but when I found myself giving, my, giving it my best and, and when I realized that I'd put everything that I humanly possibly could do to, to prepare for an Olympic Games, I had my self-respect. Yeah. And I, I was a winner. I was a winner even before I shot my first shot in Beijing, for example because I was a winner in my own eyes. Uh, and that was supremely powerful. Uh, yeah. and, and gave me a huge sense of security from within, which allowed me to not focus on the distractions and just go and do what I was supposed to do. And that was uh, to, uh, to remain in the moment and, and to shoot one shot at a time. Uh, yeah. that, was, that was born from this, the security which came through chasing self-respect. Yeah, certainly. And, you know, first of all, thank you so much for sharing um, your journey with confidence and, you know, self-doubt. I think it's important in thinking about mental health and, and the struggles that everyone has to share that. So thank you for putting that out there. And I totally agree. Having this mindset of growth, not only towards whatever you're doing, the activity, but also towards yourself and cultivating the self-respect is where it starts. Um, and you have to see yourself through that lens. I think that's really important. Um, and so at the end of your response, you briefly touched upon focus. And that kind of leads me to the next topic that I want to talk about is that your sport is one of high precision. 
you know, um, we all know the famous story of Dronacharya um, and the bird eye test for Arjun when he asked everyone to strike the wooden uh, eye of the bird in the tree. And he asked, what do you see? Arjun replies, he only sees the eye of the bird, right? This is a great demonstration from our mythology of the importance of essentially the focus of attention, right? Bringing in the important information into the spotlight. So with that in mind, I wanted to ask you, what are key factors that you think are involved in creating this focus of attention for you? Um, and how has participating in air rifle shooting generally helped you cultivate pre precision and focus in your life? I think um, we have to also define focus. And I think focus can be of different types. You can have a narrow focus, as you just talked about, uh, and you can also have a, a larger focus uh, uh, and I think both are critically important to train and cultivate. You know, it depends on what stage of your goal and what sort of focus is really required. When you're executing and when you're at the Olympic Games, of course, your focus needs to be one which is narrow, uh, one yeah. which is simplified. And you need to have the ability to close in and then create a bubble around you and just focus on simple things and, and go and do what you're supposed to do. But when you're preparing for an Olympic Games, you need to have a much wider focus because there you are trying to break things down um, into smaller elements and, and, and working on the smaller details, which requires a greater, a wider perspective and a wider sort of focus. So I think there is a requirement to train both narrow focus and a wider focus uh, and, and zero in or zero out or whatever you want to term it as per the requirement of that situation. And I think that you can only do um, when you cultivate these, this, the, both types of focus, uh, having the ability to, to close in, uh, having the ability to simplify, I think is also very, very critical. You know, simple things are hard to do sometimes. Simple things are very, very hard to achieve. Why are they hard to achieve? Because uh, simple, simplicity is not desirable. We all like to complex things to a great degree. Sometimes for the good, uh, sometimes it's needed and sometimes it's not needed because it just doing simple things repeatedly becomes very boring. Um, and my sport was a very boring sport. It required uh, repetition. I mean, shooting the same thing day in and day out, thousands and thousands and thousands of shots of the same exact movement in complete isolation. Very boring. But how do you keep your brain stimulated and how do you keep yourself interested uh, how do you keep yourself absorbed in it? How, how, how do you keep, uh, how do you fall in love with the boring and the mundane? And that I was able to do by, by sometimes widening my focus into the smaller things and finding different ways to improve these elements. That kept my focus going, that kept my interest levels going, but more importantly, that kept my brain very stimulated. Uh, I think when you're uh, doing things or your 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 part uh, participating in in an activity activity which requires repetition one repetition after the other it's so very important to keep the board the, the mind interested because if you don't keep the mind interested it will burn out very easily uh, how yeah. do you keep that focus uh, right that i was so able to do by breaking things down into smaller details uh, and, and trying to improve on those details. I mean, 
I never gained confidence from shooting perfect scores in practice, but I gained a little bit of confidence by going on a commando course, for example, that brought me focus. Um, so you have to find innovation is very important. You have to find innovative ways to keep focus. That focus in your core competency or in, in the focus required to do what uh, your, your job requires you to do, sometimes is born out of doing different activities. Very important. Very important to, 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 to have a degree of balance in what you do. That is absolutely critical to focus. Yeah, certainly. And, and that scalability, right, of focus, like, like you said, from narrow to big is important. And I think that fits in well, even with our previous conversation about growth mindset and having this flexibility, this capacity to adapt and learn and scale that focus of attention is critical, I'm sure. And so with that, I want to turn towards uh, some work that you do now with the Abhinav Bindra Foundation. And it's a great way of giving back to the community. And something that I personally really appreciate is the cross-functional approach that your foundation has towards sports training, you know, using a variety of different types of feedback, various metrics from science, as well as a widespread use of technology. So I was wondering if you could just kind of speak a little bit more about this and, and how you're moving forth in your efforts um, as well as including these elements in building athletes for the future? Uh, yes, so uh, my primary outreach to Indian sport is through the Abhinav Bindra Foundation. We have three pillars on what we work at. The first is intervention. Uh, through intervention, we have uh, six or seven high-performance centers uh, across India, which uh, employ a lot of science and a lot of technology into athlete training. Um, I embrace technology as an athlete, and uh, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. Winning gold medals sometimes is doing the 1% and working on that 1% edge. And that 1% edge can only be attained by embracing science, by embracing technology, by embracing engineering, by embracing analytics, and by embracing medicine. And that's where uh, we have a scholarship program for very young athletes called STEAM, uh, standing for all these elements. Um, the scholarship program is uh, between the age of uh, 10 to 15, uh, where we give them access to all these various elements in order to for them to build a very, very strong foundation uh, in, in whatever they're trying to pursue. Uh, in terms of technology, we employ a lot of technology, a lot of uh, technology with, uh, with uh, digital mirroring, a lot of technology with biofeedback, a simple example I'd like to give is, you know, we all do squats in the gym at times. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, when we do squats at our centers, we do it on a sensorized platform uh, and uh, with markers, uh, you know, biomarkers in, uh, of your body, which are digitally, digitally come on to, onto the screen. The uniqueness of what we do is all feedback received is in real time. Uh, you know, in the past, uh, there have been a lot of technologies employed for research where you get all that data after you've actually done the movement. But here, uh, through unique technology, they get the athletes are getting it real time. So when they're doing a squat, they can see on the screen, for example, uh, how much weight uh, they're putting on their left leg and how much weight they're putting on their right leg, for example. And you know, when, do you, when we see very um, clearly that when they start to tire, they suddenly uh, start to put more load on their stronger side. And that's where 
through through embracing technology we can put them on the right track you know we all uh, for example train on a swiss ball you know i'm giving easy examples uh, with there we have a technology where uh, when you work on a swiss ball and do all those exercises you're basically working on your core and on your pelvis pelvic region right to gain control over that region um, but you know the, the 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 technology where we are using is there is a platform like a swiss ball kind of thing which is actually sensorized so every movement what is what they are trying to do is is comes on a screen and it 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 really shows them real time on how their pelvis is functioning and how they can gain control of that so through technology they can really master the quality of movement uh, rather mm. than the quantity of what they do uh, you right. know elite performance is really about uh, attaining excellence in the quality of movement of what you do uh, and right. that is able to really repeat uh, repeat it in, at uh, at in pressure situation so that is right. a little bit of the technology uh, what we were talked about a second element of what we do is education you know we we are uh, development of indian sport will not happen only if we support athletes but it is really about building the whole ecosystem that surrounds the athlete uh, we've set up research and sports medicine institute uh, which has started giving out uh, bachelor's and master's degrees in uh, sports science and in uh, physiotherapy and, and and again getting global best practice into these elements then we have a pillar which works on leadership in sport because governance in sport is something which has been a little bit of a weak area in india so, but we have to empower our administrators and build our leadership and our specifically our second layer of leadership who are responsible for the day to day running of sport to again imbibe global best practice and create high performance environments the third element of um, education is athlete mental health uh, mm-hmm. and that's something which i have worked uh, a great degree at the uh, at the international level with the ioc and again trying to uh, do a lot of work in advocacy and trying to create psychologically safe environments for athletes to train and participate in, in india the last element of what we do is um, using the power of sport for social upliftment uh, and there uh, we had a we have a couple of interesting projects one is uh, uh, youth and olympism you know i talked to great degree about the values of sport so we are setting out uh, programs uh, on 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 youth uh, on youth uh, development through the values of sport uh, we are currently running a program uh, on uh, a webinar series on on olympism and the role of olympism in, in civil society and love to extend uh, an invitation to all of you and uh, to IIT Bombay if, if if it interests you we can connect on it offline but uh, happy to pass on that information to you uh, for 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 the for the webinar series uh, we also worked on a very interesting project you know very interesting because with all what's going on in Afghanistan for example uh, we uh, with a colleague of mine a former rival and a very good friend now nicolo compriani three time olympic champion in shooting from italy we were very inspired by the international refugee team which took part in the rio olympics for the first time uh, nico is based out of lausanne in switzerland and uh, set out a program and a project which uh, trained three refugees uh, in our chosen sport of shooting because that's what our expertise was to try and make these refugee athletes they were they had no sporting experience and we trained three of them um for three years uh, and they this project was a huge huge success because two of them 
actually participated at the Justin Trudeau Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games. Amazing, yeah. These were human beings who were known as refugees for all their lives. And today they're known as Olympians. So there you can see uh, what the power of sport can do to to, to really change people's lives and have a positive impact on life. Right. That's a bit of an overview of what we do. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, there's so many different elements that you work on. And, um, you know, the last bit you talked about, I think, is really, uh, really a great demonstration of the change you're bringing about. And from a scientific perspective, you know, we know that providing feedback, real-time feedback, um, is really important for learning and for improvement generally. Um, and furthermore, kind of using these elements of science, you know, there's evidence of that spaced out learning is important for retaining concepts over time. And by honing in those skills through these various metrics in your foundation over a period of time, I'm sure that kind of helps your athletes build skills as well um, and really kind of help with the precision of those skills. So keeping um, time in mind, I just have a couple of quick concluding questions before we move on to audience questions here. You know, I, as someone um, who talks to a lot of parents and students and teachers, as an educator, parents a lot of the times ask questions about, you know, how do I, I, I would love for my, sci- my kid to be a scientist, what would you say? So in that theme, I want to ask you, if a parent came up to you and asked, I want my five-year-old to win an, Olymp- an Olympic gold medal, what should I do? What, what should I tell my child? How should I, you know, enroll him or her in particular activities or et cetera? What would you say to this parent from your perspective? Well, uh, I just uh, give them the experience of my parents and what they did to me uh, because they obviously produced uh, a child or nurtured a child or a boy who won a gold medal at the Olympics. Uh, and of course, they had a huge role to play in it. But, you know, my parents did some many, many unique things. Of course, they supported me materially um, and that was important. It was an enabler. But their biggest contribution was twofold. One, they supported me emotionally by having belief in my abilities. Whenever I felt hopeless, and I felt that along uh, for many days and many days uh, where, where there was absolutely no hope that I was able to see, they always saw an immense amount of hope in me. Uh, and that was very, very unique. I'll give you a small example. I went to the 2004 Olympic Games and, and uh, you know I, I broke an Olympic record but finished seventh. My world had really come tumbling down. I had to shoot that very, very ordinary shots to win the medal that day. But I just happened to shoot the worst 10 shots of my life. Five minutes after this Olympic final, I met my mother. Uh, Mm. I was grumpy and sad and depressed. My world had come crumbling down and and, then tumbling down. And my mother comes to me and says, no, it doesn't matter. The most you could do today was win a bronze or silver at the most. But you know, you, your goal is to win a gold medal at the Olympics and you're going to win a gold medal in four years' time. Uh, ironically, that happened. Who can ever, who can ever question a mother's instinct, uh, I said to right. myself. So that was just an example of how they kept supporting me when I was at my lowest ebb. And an athlete's career will have lots and lots of moments of being low because failure is what we experience most of the time. Um, what my parents also did very, very well 
was give me the space and allowed me to make my own mistakes um, because that is an essential part of learning and growth. Uh, and even though they, they left all my decisions to, my, to me and I had to own my failure, I had to own my success, they left all decision-making to me and the experts that were part and parcel of that team. They never, ever interfered. Even though at times I'm sure they saw that I was making wrong decisions, they never... They may have voiced it very subtly, but they never pushed me in a certain way. And that was invaluable. Um, that was invaluable to grow. That was very, that was invaluable to, to keep learning and to attain that growth mindset that we talked about. So that's what yeah. I would like to tell parents who want to nurture athletes. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's great. Um, and yeah, you know, I guess encourage them to play the sports, um, to play many sports, engage in the sport of their interest as well, along with everything you said is, is cool. Yeah, and I think another point, uh, just a quick point, especially when parents with young children who are eager to get them to play sport, uh, specialization in sport should only yeah. happen at the age of 13 or 14. Yeah. Earlier than that, I think you, you should encourage your kids to play multiple sport because science yeah. tells them that playing multiple sport builds those uh, motor skills, builds balance, builds coordination, builds endurance. It's very, very important to have that foundation of playing multiple things. Uh, yeah. Being physically literate. Yes. Yes. And providing that exposure to the child to then, you know, help them pick what they are interested in um, is also, I think, really important. So with that, I want to ask you one last question from my side before we start audience questions. I've asked this to our guests previously. Um, and so I want to ask you, you know, at this point in your life, what's your definition of success? And was it different previously? Yeah, it was very different previously. I had a very lofty goal. Um, my goal was to win a gold medal at the Olympics. Uh, it started, that dream started out uh, uh, in the mid-90s, where it's, in India, was, it was almost an unimaginable goal to have. People laughed at me for having a goal like that. Um, but it was, a, it was a goal which required me to, to keep my mind steadily, steadfast on it, be bloody-minded to a great degree. Uh, what I didn't do too well in my life and in my sporting life uh, was uh, to acknowledge the smaller goals and to really acknowledge the small, smaller victories that mm. I had uh, during the course of my sporting career. And that, uh, I think, was a great error that I made. And that is what I don't do anymore. And I acknowledge in my new journey and my, my second life uh, as I start this journey is to also acknowledge, set smaller goals, set, of course, have large goals, but you'll also have smaller goals along the way, which will help you achieve those uh, larger goals. And when, when you do achieve those smaller goals, it's very, very important to also pat yourself on the back uh, uh, and acknowledge that I did that horribly when I was an athlete. And that is what I uh, am trying to change now. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. That's something I learned um, in graduate school from my PhD advisors to celebrate the small victories. Um, you know, sometimes when you have such a big goal, such as getting a PhD every it's until you get that, it feels like, Oh man, like what, what am I doing? But achievements are made every day. So it's important for us to celebrate those as well. So with that, I want to transition to some audience questions. You know, um, we have, 
a lot of very interesting questions here that my team has shortlisted, but I'll go ahead and um, ask you the first one uh, from Lakshmi here, who is asking, did Mr. Bindra personally observe any other skills hamper his quest for excellence in air rifle shooting? Hamper? I don't know. I, I always try to build skills outside my sport, which helped me uh, in my in my sporting uh, success. So, uh, uh, of course, there may be certain thing. I don't want to go to a nightclub the night before my competition and 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 and, and, and work on my dancing skills. Uh, yeah. Be avoided. But I certainly tried to do many things outside of my field of play, for example, and I used uh, took inspiration from a lot of outside things. I briefly touched upon the aspect of uh, uh, going on a commando course, for example, and I'd maybe like to expand on that. I went on a commando course a week before I boarded my flight to Beijing. And my sport is a very delicate, fragile kind of a sport which requires proprioception and a sense of balance, mm-hmm. feeling and feeling for millimeters, yeah. grams. And here I was attempting to go on a commando course, which was uh, had a great, great, great risk of injury uh, and a great risk of losing this sort of feeling because it required great physical effort. Um, but I decided to go on it because I was not getting that security. I wasn't yet getting that confidence. So I went on this commando course, which was very, very hard. And uh, uh, I was scared to death and, and I managed to do it. Uh, I was successful uh, doing it. And there was a lot of adrenaline and I learned, my mind learned a way to work with adrenaline. Uh, mm-hmm. My mind started to develop skills and ways to, to remain awake and, and to you know, under a tremendous amount of physical pressure. And then as soon as I finished this uh, commander's course, which lasted about two hours, which was full of fear um, and a few tears um, and a lot of nausea, uh, I, I learned, uh, I, I said to myself, you know, if I manage to do this, winning a medal at the Olympic Games cannot be that hard. And, and you know, I learned a way to overcome fear. I never learned a, over, we learned a way to overcome fear through shooting perfect scores and being in perfect form in practice. I learned it through doing a commando course, uh, for example. So uh, I think you have to pick, uh, pick and choose, but there's great value in also learning from others and learning from other... Yeah. Uh, other, other perspectives. I worked, uh, uh, I spoke a lot with ballet dancers because they require a great degree of uh, balance in what they do. I did not learn how to do ballet for, by any means, but I learned certain drills that uh, uh, they would do. Uh, I learned breathing techniques, uh, not from my shooting coaches. I learned breathing techniques from a deep sea diver, for example. Because they require very specific ways of breathing under pressure. So there's great value in also learning from others and learning from things which do not have a direct influence uh, on what you do. But keeping that open openness of mindset, keeping that growth mindset, if you do have that, that will allow you uh, to seek for solutions out of the box. And I think that's great. Right. right. Absolutely. Finding, finding a way 
finding a solution and talking to the people that can help you with that. You know, speaking of breathing, I just, I just want to add, this was something I wasn't able to get to in the questions. Um, but breathing is so important. Oxygenation, I think is, is one thing that is a great thread um, between not only air rifle shooting, but oxygenation is also very critical to our physiological systems going. And uh, when we look at brain responses, we are leveling, uh, measuring levels of oxygenated blood. So this uh, breathing, uh, regulating breathing, providing oxygen to our systems and our brain responses, uh, therefore kind of reacting to this is highly critical um, and a great theme. And hopefully we'll be able to talk more about it another day. Um, but, you know, you interestingly mentioned uh, nightclubs in your response. So I must ask you based off of that, I assume that, you know, for shooting, you need kind of a quiet, silent environment. First of all, is that correct? Or, or do you tend to kind of practice it with music? Just out of curiosity. Oh, you have to add distractions because in competitions you have noise, you have uh, um, different uh, people cheering. I mean, okay, Tokyo was very different, but at a normal games and normal events, there is crowd participation. So the music even played at the shooting venues. So you have to be prepared. So you have to have everything. You have to practice under uh, a lot of uh, in different ways. I mean, you talked about, we talked about a little bit about recovery. We didn't really talk about the, about sleep so much, but, uh, you know, uh, when you're under tremendous pressure, you struggle to sleep well and don't expect the night before an Olympic final to have the best night's sleep because we're going to be so wired up and so anxious and especially for me. So what did I do? I, 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 I before certain in preparation for the Olympics, I, I stayed up the whole night. Didn't go to a nightclub, but I just uh, stayed up the whole night just to deprive myself of sleep. But just be prepared uh, to enter a competition without the proper night's, night's sleep so that my brain could adapt. My brain could learn that this could it was still possible uh, to still perform even with uh, a little bit of a lack of sleep. So it's about preparation. It's about uh, doing different things. Yeah, absolutely. And through that answer, actually, you've answered two audience questions. Uh, one about uh, sleep. Fusion, I need that for coming. Yeah, um, about sleep and maintaining your daily schedule from Harish, as well as from Nirmal about, you know, um, uh, working and studying in quiet versus distraction-filled environments. Now, I'm sure this uh, question from Sachin is on multiple people's minds. He's saying... I'm inclined to learn air rifle shooting and I really want to, what is the best way I can get started with this? And can I come uh, and learn at your foundation? I believe you're probably based out of Bombay. So my suggestion would be to find a shooting club in Bombay. There are several of them, which will get you started. My foundation doesn't specifically work with the technical aspect. We work on the scientific physical aspect of sports science and sports medicine. Um, but uh, happy to help you through that journey. But uh, before that, you need to just get the basics sorted out and that I'd suggest that you approach or connect with a local club or a local, the local association there or the local shooting range there and, and, and get going. Great. Um, so with that, you know, uh, 
we're going to wrap up on the hour here. Um, I, in conclusion, want to say a huge thank you to you for giving us, uh, you know, such a big chunk of time in your schedule and for talking to us today. I personally have learned so much um, from you. And as you mentioned, I too believe it's really important to get others' perspectives um, and really highlight those commonalities uh, that exist to form these interdisciplinary connections. I think that is critical for us to kind of move forward together and really better our society generally, um, which is the goal. So huge thank you to you. Um, I also want to go ahead and thank Rohan Banja from your foundation who has been you know, critical in, in helping us set this up. I wanna thank the Educational Technology Department for supporting this as well as the CD team who works um, on the media and technology bit of it. Um, I want to thank um, Ishan Dandiker who is an exercise scientist who was a great help for me to formulate these questions and all the students that I've had at IIT Bombay and otherwise who inspired me um to do this and to invite a personality like you is is absolutely special for all of us and of course i want to thank and uh send a huge congratulations to all the olympic and paralympic athletes both for india and worldwide um what a glorious you know season it's been and we can't wait to watch everyone again in four years. So with that, I want to ask you, yeah. do you have any, uh, three years, right? Three years this time. Uh, do you have any kind of parting thoughts for us? No, I just want to thank you and the team for, for inviting me. I enjoyed the conversation. Uh, just like to wish you all uh, the very best in whatever you do. May it be uh, successful and fulfilling. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you again uh, for all of our participants for attending. Uh, do watch for this to be online very shortly.